Hello, everyone. We hope you're excited for this week's edition of the Track Talk Podcast. We know you're sick of being quarantined. We know you're sick of COVID-19. We've got good news, folks. Track and field is back. Tons of action to talk about. Sprint action in Texas, where Michael Norman has run super fast, historically fast. Tons of action from Japan, where a world leader has been running the 10,000, and a Japanese high schooler has run faster than Galen Rupp for 5,000 meters. The Netherlands had a 5K. So much track and field action. Wait. Bad news, though, folks. USA's is canceled for the first time since USS Grant was president. There will be no USA track and field outdoor championship this year. And, folks, the one marathon we were all hoping for, Hamburg, also canceled. We've got some good news and bad news, guys. This is Let's Run Come co-founder, welcoming you to our weekly podcast where we talk about last week's news and get you ready for the week ahead. I'm joined, as always, by my twin brother, Weldon Johnson. The man who was twice at USA's and his last race at USA's outkick Galen. I mean, Abby Abdurrahman. You wanted to say Galen Rupp right there, didn't you, Robert? I did, but I had to correct myself. I think the ego, the collective ego of this website would have just exploded if you could hang over Galen Rupp's head that you once beat him in a race. It's probably for the best that that didn't happen or it's all you would talk about every week. When he was like 15? Do we, did you introduce yourself? That's Jonathan Gold, a staff writer. Yeah, and guys, before we get to the running, I just wanted to wish a happy early birthday to each of you. Happy Founders Day on Friday, July 24th. Congratulations on getting another year closer to dying. 100 years old. I don't know. I'm trying. That was pretty rude. Happy birthday, guys. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Big things this year. Founders Day. This will make it officially 20 years of let's run.com and the let's run.com we're still not sure what it's called vip plus some of you guys are going to start testing it out today look for that on the 20th anniversary of let's run.com well i've also heard guys on friday uh you got an invitation on your birthday to quite a special event robert can you tell us more about this uh, I, f- I forgot to push this in the show intro Folks, Jim Ryan is called Let's Run.com. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday. The phone rings at the corporate office here at Undisclosed Location in Maryland. And I answered. I didn't recognize the number. I said, this is Robert. He said, hi, Robert. This is Jim Ryan, your goat. I almost fell out of my chair. I loved it, folks. Yes, the Olympic silver medalist, the man who was voted as the greatest American in U.S. distance running History by the Let's Run.com fans. He's been in honor with the Presidential Medal of Freedom on Friday. And I guess they're having a reception. His sons are throwing him a reception afterwards out in Northern Virginia. And I've been invited to attend by Jim himself. And I will be attending. I will not be at the White House with John's favorite president, Donald Trump. That's a joke, people. So that's a very private reception. So I will not be going back to the West Wing. I've been to the West Wing both during Bill Clinton's presidency and George W. Bush's presidency, but I will not make it a third time. Robert, before you get full of yourself, I have been invited and I will be going to the White House. J- just kidding. You do have me one up, Robert. I did get an invite to the reception as well, but not by Jim Ryan himself, by his son Ned. And hey, I will be seeing you on your birthday, our birthday. I've decided to make the trek down from Connecticut leaving my two-and-a-half-month-old daughter for the first time. 
Because, hey, it doesn't really get any bigger than this. I think it's the biggest honor an individual can get in the United States. You know, we don't have knighthood or anything like that, John. You, you, you can be a resident expert on knighthood and whether this is the equivalent. But I figure a distance runner. I mean, how many other distance runners are going to get this in their lifetimes? I can think of one, maybe Meb. Yeah, he's the only guy I think that you could maybe make a case for. The only man in history to win an Olympic medal and the Boston and New York City marathons. So Yeah, and Meb's just like immigrant American dream story. It's like Meb represents the best of America. And Jim Ryan's, you know, pretty amazing guy himself. So should be cool. Yeah, all right. Well, guys, let's talk about the running because there was a bunch of it this week. Well, one last thing about this reception, folks. Some may be worried. I've not dropped my COVID oh my God. concern, folks. I will be masked up. I know Mr. Ryan was a GOP congressman. Some of the GOP fans aren't exactly big fans of masking. I will be a man in a mask. And I've been told there's going to be some very prominent runners there besides Jim Ryan. One may start with the initials AW. Another may start with the initials – may start, excuse me, may have the initials MC. How cool would it be if there's a photo – of like Ryan and then these two other icons of the 1500 and then yours truly in my mask. But now, John, I need proper mask protocol because I see these sports stars and they'll take photos and they're not six feet apart. I think the proper photo should have us all six feet apart. Yes. Social distance when appropriate. Wear your mask at all times. I mean, this is pretty simple stuff if you can do it but if your eyes are all going to be in a room i don't know what's i don't know what's going to happen i don't really want well, to I hope it's worry or uh, think about this i don't want this to become a covid podcast as it so often does i think there are so many so many things to talk about this week i want to start with michael norman because this is what happens in the track and field world in 2020 is you'll just see some result pop up on twitter and you'll be like holy crap this is one of the best performances of the year and i it happened in a meet i didn't even know existed and we find out because there's some shaky amateur track level video. Uh, and then Michael Norman, the clock stopped actually at 981, which probably would have had people freaking the hell out. And then Michael Norman clarifies it was actually a win legal 986. Still huge PR. This is his first 100 since he was a high schooler. And he's now tied with Noah Lyles and Carl Lewis for eighth on the all-time US list. Pretty crazy. And he's... It's not even his best event. It's probably not even his second best event. So pretty crazy stuff. Very crazy, John. So on the combined 100, 200, 400, just add the times up. He's number three, right? Bolt, Johnson, and him? I think it's uh, Van Niekirk and Bolt are ahead of him. And he's ahead of Michael Johnson. Incredible stuff. First of all, this shows that, I mean, had he raced it all before this? Season opener. Pretty immersive, right? But we saw this last year from him, right? In the season opener. Remember what he did at, where was that? Mount Sac? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was Mount Sac. He ran, I think he ran his PR of 43-45. Actually, I want to correct myself. Michael Johnson and Wade Van Niekirk are the two guys ahead of him on the combined time list because Bolt's 400 is obviously not quite as fast. But yeah, he started out very strong last year and then, you know, kind of got banged up. And by Worlds, he wasn't 100%, went out in the semis, but... He's got a history of starting fast, this guy. Yeah, so he ran 43-45 last year and then never ran faster. So, you know, the fact that he's as fast as Carl Lewis, though, in the 100 meters is scary to me. But the, the question I have is, and it's very exciting, and this guy could be a superstar in one year's time if we have the Olympics. But, John, it's kind of like the Allison Felix race from last week. Do we believe it's totally accurate? 
there are always going to be questions when you pop up at some random facility and this isn't, I mean, I'm sure they have officials and everything, but you know, yes, there are, when something happens in obscurity like this, there will be questions. And you saw Brianna Rollins McNeil ran a world best for 150 meters, which she's a 110, she's a 100 hurdler. You know, she's not the kind of woman you would expect to be setting that kind of time. Granted, people don't race the 150 that often. Yeah, so there are questions about it, but I don't know. He covered 100 meters in 9.86 seconds. I mean, maybe was the wind skept- Was the wind crazy? Was it a fast track? Or my other question, the spikes. Nike has new spikes coming out. I've heard that these things could shave as much as a tenth off of 100 meter times. That they're supposed to be like next level. If he was wearing some of these prototype spikes, who knows? Oh no! Oh no! Now John's going there. People hated the Vaporfly stuff, and now John's going spikes early. Let's just talk about the run first. I hadn't even heard the spikes mentioned, and I've been reading like an eight-page thread on this run on our forums, and we got a lot of new sort of sprint experts chiming in on this. Whew, man, where to begin? When I first saw it, I'm like, no way. And then I saw it, and I'm like, okay. People started analyzing it, and they're like, With, without the wind, it's equivalent to like nine nine three or something like that. So I'm like, they're like, look, that's doable. He, he's a better starter than Noah Lyles. He was like beating Noah Lyles on the curve last year. He's great at the 400. Like, come on, this is doable. And I agree with that. But, as a former Fort Worth resident, I was like, what track is this? You're looking, you see the highway behind there. I'm like, oh, that looks like I-20 or I-30, sort of west of town. And you can just see the highway, and you can get a big wind. So I, I don't know, like, conspiracy theories, like, could the wind pick up even more than the wind gauge picks up? Or you have some gust of wind, like, not perfectly timed with the wind gauge. So, you know, but as fast as he's run for the 200... As good of a starter as he is, the consensus I feel like on Let's Run is like this is in his range. And then if you throw in better shoes, I guess you make a good point. He has run nineteen seventy for two hundred, so of course he should be able to break ten seconds for one hundred. The thing I was thinking of, I was going to go conspiracy theories, is the track being short. He seemed to be running on some. I mean, I guess the pretty standard. It's hard to you know, unlike the Noel Lyles thing, we might start on the run wrong. Mark and we got a nice email from a podcaster saying that Lyle's study started. He thought he started from the 400 stagger instead of the 200 stagger in that race last week. It's kind of hard to start at the wrong mark. The track would have to be, just be short because you know the 100 meter start is pretty obvious where it is. But it seemed like an obscure track. The camera angle was weird too. Then I noticed, guys, or am I making this up? I feel like there was a crane up. So they must have a better camera angle. We saw a side angle. Isn't there a crane? I, I've up? seen. I've seen an alternate, more professional type view. I mean, it's the same. It's the same race. I mean, I agree with Weldon. I think the most likely explanation is this guy's just a generational talent. He's a freak of nature, and he ran really fast. But you know, when you you know he's he's shown like Robert said, it's not uncommon for him to start very fast in his opening race. I'm sure he was eager to race, but there are other possibilities that we have addressed, and obviously the shoes that could be one of them. Maybe the win, but I think the most likely explanation is he's dude's just really, really good. But guys, we didn't talk at all. This was only one part of a quintuple. I mean, you guys didn't mention his thirty-four eighty-two in the two hundred and fifty meters, or the heat-winning forty-four ninety he dropped in the three hundred, which was you know just a, a second slower than his four hundred meter PB. I mean, 
Guys, we're, we're, we're ignoring the big story here. This was such, such an amazing one-day feat of athleticism here. Yeah, John, you're touching on this, and I'm, I'm sort of glad that essentially the full meet – no one really knew about this meet. I'm sure maybe some sprint guys did, but I think the results – the video wasn't posted till a day later, right? Unless this meet was at 10 a.m., right? No, I think, it, I think it did happen on Monday, and he tweeted it out. Like, it happened in the morning. It was a morning meet. Okay, maybe this is some new way to do it. Like, I figured they weren't sprinting before noon. But perhaps they were. So the people just saw the video, and then people in Let's Run immediately were like, you know, they're analyzing how many steps he's taking, the wind, and all of that stuff. If the full results had immediately been posted, and I saw these random times for Norman at the 150 or the 300, whatever he was running, running five events, people running like super slow times for, I don't know, I need to pull up the results. I would have immediately thought this was fake, like this didn't happen. But the crazy thing is, John, and you're doing the piece on this, athletes, a lot of them, especially the Nike athletes, have to compete so many times a year for their contract to be valid. And well, I guess you can tell the details, John, because you know more. But You might think that this is one meet, Weldon. This was actually five different track meets, okay? If you look at the results uh, on NXT, NX, sorry, NTX Timing is the website. Uh, ntxtiming.com the first meet was the AP Ranch HP Invitational number no. 1 which contained a long jump in the 60 meters then there was the AP Ranch HP Invitational number no. 2 which had the 100 AP Ranch Invitational number no. 3 which had the 150 there was 5 of these meets so each race essentially was its own track meet happening on the same day or the same track and there are now 5 more of these scheduled for Thursday so and Michael Norman has entered it in all five. Now, a lot of these athletes have competed already. Like, you know, we've seen Justin Gatlin and Kenny Bagnarek. They competed in Florida. I think they might be competing in Florida again this weekend. So I don't think some of these athletes might have hit these requirements anyway, but there are reductions that there's, a, you know, it's fairly common for a athletic contract to include a minimum number of competitions. I think for a lot of sprinters, it's 10. And if you don't hit that, they have the option to reduce you. And from what I understand, the sports marketing people don't, they don't, they want to see the athletes compete. They don't really want to screw them over, but there are other parts of these companies that might be saying, Hey, this is a way for us to save money. You know, we're taking losses in other departments. So anyway, there is some worry that athletes could be reduced for this stuff. They came up with this solution. Let's have five track meets in one. This way they get their competitions out. They don't get reduced for not competing enough. It creates a ridiculous situation because it doesn't benefit Michael Norman to race, you know, jog five races. It doesn't benefit Nike. They're not getting additional exposure, but that's the situation we're in. That's a convoluted way of John saying some of you might be worried that Nike's forcing these athletes to travel to Texas to compete under COVID so they don't get reduced. In reality, Sounds like the agents and Nike kind of got together and said, hey, let's do this so that there's no way the legal department can reduce you. So it's kind of trying to benefit the athletes here because Nike has screwed over people in the past during pregnancy and stuff like that. So I think the coaches as well. Some of the agents I talked to, they didn't really seem to know all – like they knew some of the details. But I think it's more the coaches realizing what was going on and saying, hey, let's make the – they're just covering their bases here. Yeah, I just don't think that – I mean, come on. First of all, I guess this is why lawyers exist because, like, couldn't you argue if you're Nike? Like, this obviously this isn't six different track meets. This is a convoluted distortion of what a track meet is. And then also, though, come on, is Nike really going to take the PR hit for, for penalizing athletes for not competing enough during COVID-19? Like, that would be a really bad 
PR. They, these contracts have NDA, NDAs, though, Robert. You, I mean, is there going to be a PR hit if you can't tell people you were reduced? Well, I think somebody would have the guts to say, hey, I, I got caught from COVID-19. Anyways, while we're talking about Nike athletes running time trials, just last night in Portland, another Bowman track club time trial. It was hint, guys. You guys downplayed this, Shelby, on the on the, the bonus podcast. If you did not listen to the bonus interview last week, we had the regular podcast, and then we had Shelby Hulahan. I just listened to it. You guys did a fantastic job. But she said they'd be competing some more, and I was very upset they weren't competing a lot. And Carissa Swiser is the leading result from last night. Four flat point zero two for fifteen hundred meters. She just narrowly misses becoming the eighth U.S. woman under four. I guess Shelby probably paced her in that race. They did run a 600. Was that before or after, John? Yeah, Shelby, so what, Sh- Shelby was busy because she paced this race. Then she came back and paced the second 1500, which had like Frerichs and Marielle Hall and Gwen Jorgensen. Then she won the 600. And I don't know if Shelby ran on the mixed gender 4x4 relay, but she, she got her, uh, her work in. Maybe she was hitting minimum number of competitions as well. Though she raced indoors a bit. I wonder how much she paced. I haven't seen the video. She went 415 in this four flat race. She did like about 1100 or something of the of the Schweizer race. I think Schweizer kind of was itching to take over at the bell. Yeah, I mean, Carissa looked good. I mean, a woman who won, just ran 1426, not surprised she could run four flat. It's been a big year for her. Her, her PR was 408 just a few weeks ago, and now it's down to four flat. She's number eight all-time. She's ahead of Morgan Euseny on the all-time list, Robert, which might sting for you. She's a Cornell alum, but yeah, impressive racing. I don't really have a huge takeaway. I mean, she's very fast, and she ran fast. Her PR was 4.08 to start the year. Yeah, I mean, she, it's not like she was running a lot of... She was a 5K specialist in college, and she didn't run a lot of 1500s as a pro, so... Oh, sorry, 406. 406 was her PR at the start of the year. But still, I'm just, I've am just i been amazed by her transformation this year. I viewed her, she was a very good NCAA runner, but she never looked that fast or that powerful to me. I was completely flabbergasted when she outkicked Shelby Houlihan indoors and ran as fast as she did. She, do, she doesn't look, you know, she, looks, she has more of the waif look than the power look, which I associate with speed, which is clearly misleading because she, she's getting very fast when you're getting close to four flat. So, great run. Well, I think it's the same thing we saw with Shelby, right? It took her a couple years under Jerry's system to sort of build up that strength and really start hitting it. But then, you know, she turned pro in 2015. She made the Olympics in the 5K in 2016. Then 2018 is when it really all came together and she broke out. And Schweizer, she turned pro in 2018 was her senior year of college. And last year, she she actually progressed a bit quicker, definitely in the 5K. You know, she ran 14.45 last year, but... Now she's 24. She's entering her prime. I mean, she could get even faster than this, but you know, she's just continuing to get stronger. Her progressions. It's very hard to continue progressing like that when you're already, you know, a multi-time NCAA champion. So it's impressive what she's done and what Jerry's done coaching her. You compare it to Houlihan, but Houlihan was, you know, very good at the 800. So the speed in college. So the speed isn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. With Swizer, I'm just surprised. I don't know. I mean, I guess Galen Rupp went from being a guy who didn't have much of a kick to having a really good one. And uh, whereas she's and got very fast at the mile, Schweizer's sort of doing the same thing. I think it shows with strength you can get pretty damn fast. 
And if you're much stronger, you can probably kick at the end of the race. Because in a tactical 1500, I still think she'll get her doors blown off by Houlihan. But great run. Yeah. But well, I mean, but he's also training with Houlihan. I'm sure that helps with his speed. When you have to hang with Shelby in 1500, you know, in speed workouts, that's going to. There's a question of how much of that is innate and how much can actually be trained, but that's someone who's going to put you to the sword every day in a workout. Yeah, Shelby alluded to that in that bonus podcast. You know, she said Carissa kind of comes up to her and she's like, nah, you know, you're not beating me in a 200. <laughs> We're drawing the line somewhere. All right, guys. And there was also a men's, some men's results, men's 600, men's 1500 was the, were the big ones there. The 1500 really is the only significant one. Mohamed wins it, the 1246, 1247. 1247. His one in 334.89. Ahead of 2017 NCAA 10,000 meter champion, Mark Scott. Huge PR, 335.93. His PR was like 342 before that. Grant Fisher is third, 336.23. Then Jager, 336.31. Sean McGordy, also 337. Wendy Kincaid, 337. Ryan Hill, 338. Chris Derrick, 351. Lopez, a long 404. Guys, what do you make of this? I guess Ahmed, obviously. Not a surprise to me. If you're running 1247, you can run 334. The Mark Scott thing impresses me. I mean, I, we hadn't really seen him do much. I mean, he ran 1308 indoors, but he had not run a full 5,000 outdoors, I don't think. So to see him this bad, I guess he's run 1308. I mean, but to see him beating Fisher, Jager, et cetera, is impressive. Again, I guess some can view this as good that Jager's close to Fisher. He's close to Scott. But come on, to me, I want Jager winning Olympic gold, and I think if he's going to be winning Olympic gold, Jager, when's the mindset going to change, buddy? Stop losing to these people in practice. Robert, come on. One of the biggest benefits, I think the Olympics were going to start on July 24th, which would have been this week. And I think one of the bigger beneficiaries of the Olympics being canceled, or excuse me, postponed, everyone, postponed, was Evan Jager. I don't think he would have been ready. He missed all, pretty much all of last year. And having an extra year could prime him perfectly to be back at full shape. Sure, he's run, what, three? I mean, what was it? His 15 PR is so fast. It's 332. What, yeah, 332. So this was a decent result. 336 after coming off the year. Yeah, next year he better not be getting beat by Mark Scott in a 1500. But... I mean, Mark Scott ran three thirty-five. Give the guy some credit. That's that's not easy. What do you want? You want Jager? I mean, I guess he needs to be running faster if he wants to contend for gold. But like you said, well, then his first year back from injury, three thirty-six, pretty solid. Yeah. If there's such a thing as gold medal shape, Evan Jager, he better be able to beat Mark Scott in fifteen hundred. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, John, someone, some of these events, somebody has to win gold, no matter what. So there aren't that many people in it. I'd say all of the events, someone has to win gold, right, Robert? Well, yeah. But they give out a gold medal in every And then to me, the way these schedules are written up, there may not be worthy gold medal winners in some of these events. And this is what bothers me about the World Athletics schedule for the Olympics. I don't know if the IOC is setting it or World Athletics, etc. Case in point, this leads me to my question for you guys. What event should Shelby Houlihan run next year at the Olympics? The 1500 or the 5000? Because the 1500-5000 double is not possible based on the schedule, really. So that's going to lead to, I mean, I, I, again, we're all in agreement. Safanasan, it was amazing. She couldn't do the 1500-5000 double last year, so she did the 10,000-1500, and it was historic. But ironically, I mean, we'd normally like to see the 15-5 double doable and the 10-5 double doable. 
So you don't have just somebody opting out of the 5,000 and winning a medal that you don't really think is worthy of it. So to me, the women's 5,000 was very much watered down last year. You didn't have the cream of the cream in it. And looking at the list, she implied in the podcast last week, she still has unfinished business in the 1,500. She wants to do that. I think her medal chances are better. In the 5,000. they are, I agree with you, Robert. They are better in the 5,000. You look at last year, Helen O'Beary, she ran that 10K. She just got broken mentally and physically by Safan Hassan. She was thinking about not even running the 5K. That's how bad Safan Hassan beat the pants off her in Doha. Then she comes back. Now, to her credit, O'Beary, great runner, great champion, wins the 5K, runs very well in that race. But, like, Coco Klosterhalfen got the bronze medal. I mean, I'm, I think Shelby Houlihan... You know, she's faster at 1,500. Now she's faster at 5K. I would like her chances to beat out Coco for that bronze medal. I think the the true answer, which event, if she wants to win, the answer is whatever event Safan Hassan's not doing. But what do I want her to see do? What do I want to see her do? I want to see her do the 1,500. That is the one she's been going for. I think that's the most competition with Hassan, with Gudolf Sagai. With, sorry, um, with... Uh, with sorry, Safan Hassan, Gudafsa guy, Laura Muir. That that's the one Faith Kipugon, that's the one everyone's gonna be going for. I want her going for that one. That's gonna be the toughest and it's gonna be the most rewarding if she wins. But if you want just pure medal or gold chances, I think it's the five K. I mean, no offense, but how many people have actually heard of Margaret Kip Kimboy? That's the woman that won the silver medal in the five thousand last year. Her PR is only fourteen twenty seven. She's twenty seven years of age, not exactly a household name. And part of the reason why is was because for some reason, Letzenet Gaudet did not double back for the 10,000. So let's just be honest right now. Assuming they're in the same shape as they were last year, Shelby Houlihan is not going to touch Stefan Hassan, and she's not going to touch Letzenet Gaudet. No one's touching either one of those women. I mean, as good as Shelby is, do we? Do I need to remind you what Gaudet did? She closed the 10,000, the final 1,500. What was it, John? Do you remember? Well, Hassan's was... 359, right? Gadeis was probably like, wasn't it like 402? She wasn't that far behind, yeah, right? 4243. But then I forgot, you know, just a few weeks later, she ran that 15K. We called it perhaps the greatest run in US, US excuse me, in women's distance running history at the Zevin Loop 15K, the Seven Hills Run. She ran 4420 for 15,000 meters, folks. She ran 15.07 for the first 5K, then 29.13 for 10K after a 15.07 first 5K. Now, if you ask, part of that was downhill. Wait, she, she ran just, 29.13? She ran faster yes. than the world record in a 15K? Yes. We had this in the week that was, or at least I wrote it. If you adjust for the flat level and the hills, she ran a 29.40. So if you, if you assumed it was a flat course and adjust for the hills, according to John Kelly's formula, she ran a 14.31 first 5K and then a 29.40 second 10K. That woman is not losing to Shelby Houlihan. I don't care if it's slow or whatever. It's not going to happen. So, But you don't know if G'day's going to double. You don't know if G'day's going to be in the same shape. I do think that it's clear that the top American groups are competing. And you're seeing that now in Japan. Many of these top groups, these organized groups are competing well. There's some Japanese results we'll get into in a minute. We don't know what the Africans are doing. It's my understanding the training groups are shut down. They're, they're at home. They're not training in groups like they are in the U.S. So I think this postponement could benefit the Americans if the Africans are not in good shape to start 2021. 
Now looking at the Olympic schedule about this possible 15 5K double, 15 10K double. Since you guys said 15 5 double wasn't possible, I assume that meant 15 10 was. It's not possible. So, Sifan Hassan, sorry. In actuality, the 15 5 double, unless you want to run a 1500 prelim in, in the morning and the 5K final in the afternoon, that double isn't possible either. There's got to be a way, right? So you can make like each double slightly possible. I mean, maybe they figure the double people want to do is 15-8. But I think you should see what the stars of the sport are doing. And if Hassan could try the historic double again, make it possible. Or at least make the 15-5 possible. But- 10K-15 could happen. I mean, it, it'd be, it's probably not feasible because you have to run the 10K final the day after the 15 final and three rounds of the 15. But, you know, it's not... It's not as easy as last time. But I don't understand. The U.S. Trials manages this perfectly, and they do it with two off days in between. Everyone can double the 15 and the 815. They take The 800 takes part in the first place of the meet. 1500 takes part in the second place of the meet. 5K is the first four days. 10K is the second four days. I mean, they make it work every time at the U.S. Trials, and I know there are other considerations, the Olympics with, you know, getting finals in every day, that sort of thing, but it's annoying that some of these aren't possible. It's really bad for the sport and really stupid. Think about it this way. Michael Phelps is a big name. Why? Because he wins a million gold medals. They make it possible to run a million gold medals. Now, admittedly, in swimming, they're swimming several events, I think, sometimes on the same day. So I don't. if someone has to run the 1500 prelim in the morning and a 5K final in the evening, I don't think that's that bad of a thing. But you should make these doubles doable because it you got to build a brand. You've got to let the athletes, you know, even if it's NBC and they're not into it that much, like – Oh, let's meet the amazing American, the amazing Dutch distance runner who did the amazing 10K and now is going for the 1500. You build the brand, you get people get to know that person. They want to see them come back. By the time you tell the world who they are, then they can't do a double. I mean, come on. This is absurd. Now I'm getting conspiracy theories. Maybe they don't want her to do the 1500. So she goes 10 5 and they open up the 1500 for a Western athlete to win the gold medal. Anyways, another hypothetical. We asked whether what event Houlihan should do. But you guys, in the bonus podcast, John, I couldn't believe it. Matt Tegenkamp may not do the 10K, but Shelby Houlihan said she wants to do the 10K, and she may do it in the next week or so, which would be amazing. She said 15 flat felt super easy when she was pacing that pace. How fast would she run for 10K? John, the U.S. record is 30-13. A 14-23, 5,000 meters converts to faster than that. Just ask John Kellogg. He thinks they're around 30.07. I think she could even break 30 minutes. Rob, rub it. You're talking to an expert here. My 5,000 meter personal best is 14.25. So I'm a case study here. Now, granted, I was a little bit more distance oriented, but I ran 29.43 for 10,000. So the the issue here for Shelby, I don't think she's clearly very, very fit. You know, now she's been racing hard the last couple of weeks, but I think she if she got in a really great race with a really great pacer, you know, maybe she could run, I think she ran close to Molly Huddle's American record, 30.13, maybe even faster, but... The question is, what kind of pacing are you going to get? She has a great group of runners with her, but are they going to be able to pace her close to 15 flat pace? But I, I think... Wait, what, what do you mean? Why do we need women to do it? The, you could get a C-teamer on the men's team to do well, it. Well, the, the, the mark wouldn't count for anything. Well, who cares? She wants yeah. to see what she should be doing next year. Chris Derrick seems to be making himself useful by running mediocre times in these men's races, 351 for 1500. I don't know. He must be trying to collect a paycheck. So make Chris Derrick run the whole damn thing for her in the 10,000. See if she can break 30 minutes. She can't get the American record. Who cares? We're not allowed to break it. She does. She does. She cares about these records. She doesn't want to just run a 10K for no reason. 
it's not no reason. It's a, it still helps your negotiating power. When you go in and renegotiate with Nike, you say, hey, we're going to have 29, 45, 10K. You don't want to pay me? Fine. I'm pretty sure that Under Armour or Adidas or Hoka or whoever it is will be happy to on running. Right. No, no, no. That, that's, a ludicrous, that's a ludicrous point. She doesn't care about that stuff because she's with Jerry. She has a perfect training setup. She's not going to say, hey, pay, you know, I'm going to go to Adidas if you don't pay me extra. They already pay her plenty, I'm sure, for all these bonuses. Money is not the number one thing motivating her. She would much rather get a record and she's not going to get an official record if Chris Derrick's pacing her. Sorry. There you go, Nike. You don't have to pay Shelby Houlihan much money. She'll just stay with you guys next year no matter what. It's official from John Kellogg. Speaking of money, John you guys Galt. missed the- John Galt. Uh, excuse me. Jonathan Galt. Speaking of money, you guys missed a huge opportunity. We're going to start putting on these meets every year, these like five meets in a day. Because no one will be thinking about it post-COVID, but like an athlete like needs needs um, five meets to keep their stuff. We'll just fly out. We'll have a service. We'll drop down. We'll even film it and document it. All this other stuff. It's a huge moneymaker, especially during COVID. So I'm glad these meet organizers are thinking sharp. And people are pointing out that is a new track in Fort Worth. It's a new facility. There you go. Conspiracies. Did they measure the 100 meters wrong? I don't. There's an all-time great story. And someone, if you're someone who was on the Cornell team with me, would know this story because I think Nathan Taylor told me this story, the head coach of Cornell. But there once was a track built at a school. This is recently. I mean, this is in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. This track was built to honor a man. He showed up at the track for the opening of the track, and they honored him with the track. And then he did one lap around the track, and he went up to whoever said, and says, it's not the right distance. I can tell. I know how many steps it is. And he was right. So they had to rebuild the track. So, yeah. Not a crazy story. Not true. There's no way that's true. It did happen. If you know who that was or the name of that track, please email me, Robert, at letsrun.com. I want to talk. There was one other meet in Oregon uh this week and it was the big friendly too they called it the bigger friendly i i keep waiting for this thing like there's a big friendly giant marketing opportunity here with the royal doll novel that's what i it makes me think of anytime i hear these meets but anyway it had oregon track club it had zombie nop it had the brooks beast it had little wing from wazelle uh i looked at the results nothing really too notable here i mean near akins won her Pro debut, Josh Kerr won the 1,000. He ran, I think, about 217. Looked pretty solid. Uh, what really, this is what annoyed me, though. Robert, earlier in quarantine, you were like, some of these people are dodging each other. And, you know, I was like, no, it's just good that they're competing. But here are two things. One, I'm kind of upset we don't have a way. Like, it's great Bauman's racing, but it's kind of, I'm kind of upset that we don't have a way to have Bauman join this and have them join some of these races. Two, Nigel Amos and Donovan Brazier, who were the world champion and then the world championship favorite for last year, both running this event, two of the most exciting guys in the world. I would love to see them run a 600 or an 800 or a thousand. Well, they didn't race any individual race against each other. They were both in the two by two by four relay mixed gender at the end of the race and then the meet, they ran separate legs. So even on the relay, they couldn't match up against each other. I'm sorry. That's dodging each other. It's not good for the sport. I want to see these two guys race. Wait, wait, wait. So, John, you're basically saying how great I am. Yet again, where Rojo was right. I mean, I said people were dodging each other. I said our sport was a joke. No, 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 no. You said that Trayvon Bromel and Andre DeGrasse were dodging each other, which they were not. You said Justin Gatlin and Noah Lyles dodged each other. They were in the same heat. 
No, I sorry, I Robert. Also this said, is, you no, can't claim victory here. Go back. Someone go back and, and play the tape for Jonathan Galt. And I said, why can't the Bowerman people race the beat? Why can't the BTC team people race the other Oregon team? Why are they doing their own separate meets? I said, this is a joke that the Nike scrimmages can't all be at the same place at the same time and they have separate scrimmages. So John is confirming my point. Our sport is officially a joke that. Donovan Brazier are not, or are the coaches afraid they're going to pull a hamstring if they race each other at 400 to find out who's faster? We do have FAT timing, so we know who runs faster in these things. It's not like people don't have stopwatches. Come on, people. Let them have a little fun. Let them, let them, I agree with you 100%, John, but I'm glad that you finally come to my wisdom and to my knowledge. Okay. The other big action was overseas. The man who wore race Galen Rupp in the Let's Run. Let's Run.com singlet, Benjamin DeHaan, is running Seven Hills Test Run in 5K in the Netherlands. 1341, pretty impressive. Did not win the race. Osam Omaz of Spain almost broke the European record. He ran 1319. Just missing the European road record of 1318 to win that. So good to see that, you know, there's some action going on in Europe. But Japan's been having tons of meets. Tons and tons of track meets. And that's going to annoy me when we talk about USA's being canceled in a minute. But the big result there, you've got... In the last couple of weeks, you've had a bunch of like 27 low races from Kenyans. I think two or three guys have done that. But what really struck us, stood out to me was there was a 5,000 meter race where Kusuki Ishida, he is just 17 years of age. His birthday is August 21st. He set a new Japanese high school national record of 1336.89. And John, last time I checked, Galen Rupp's U.S. high school record is 13:37. So this guy's better than Galen Rupp. This guy's better than Gale, than Nico Young, and yet he gets very little love on Let's Run. Congratulations to Kosuki. If you're listening to the podcast, please email us, and I will have Jonathan Gall do a feature on you. Yeah, because he's Japanese, and he hadn't run. I mean, he hadn't run 13:36 until this week, so that's why he wasn't getting enough love. But Oh my God. Reading that, looking at the results, Robert, the idea of someone that was born in August 2002 now being a 1336 guy just kind of blows my mind. It's, it's amazing stuff. Uh, and I, I want to see a showdown between him. I mean, we saw last year, uh, the top Japanese university, uh, Tokai came over and raced Northern Arizona in a cross country race. I now want to see Nico Young against Kosuke Ishida, uh, in a 5K. There was a women's result of note. Rosemary Wanjiru of Kenya has set a world leader at 30, 38.18. Well, and then the other thing, there's a Jap- there's also a Japanese under-20 record for Yamato Yoshi of 13.28. Um, Guys, which- you're just trying to fill time here with this sh- shit? Like, come on. The, the big result, if we're going to talk about big, impressive results, Ryan Krauser through the shot pot. Shot put pot. Oh, wow. New event. 2291. Third biggest throw ever. I mean, like, like why are we just mentioning obscure I'm so- results? I'm sorry. Is, is a, does a 17-year-old running 1336 not interest you enough, Weldon? He's faster than Galen Rupp and any U.S. high schooler ever? That's pretty cool, huh? The 17-year-old's a different story than this, like, random 30... 30- but... I am kind of amazed how well, like, the crowds are shot put, this Michael Norman thing. People are doing very well. The Shelby Houlihan, I wasn't much of a time tire, but people are showing some of these stars that they can bring it even without the traditional competition. Well, I think it, this is the Bowman Track Club model. Bowman kind of did this last year with that Fast 5K. 
essentially, when you tell the pros, hey, all you have to do is train for the next couple months and we'll set up a meet perfectly exactly where you want it, exactly when you're ready to compete, and then you go out there and compete, they can do some pretty impressive things. Uh, so I definitely, it's a, I didn't think we'd be seeing the level of performances that we've seen this year because of the pandemic, but I think it also shows the value of getting these hard training blocks and like perfectly suited competitions. And to me, it shows why their sport will never be massively popular again, because you don't really need races. All you need is just one Michael Norman first time out can run better than he has his entire life. It's not like the olden days where they would race themselves into shape. If anything, they're going to mess up their training by going to the training. Is so specialized. Now they're going to mess up their training by showing up at some diamond league meet to try to pick up 10 grand. So, you know, well, gonna ask why we didn't do Ryan Krauser. Cause last time I checked this, the name of this website was let's run.com, not let's throw.com. But I think Robert, you're missing one thing. The way a sport gets popular is not people time trialing. It's like head-to-head matchups. Sure, you need stars, and people want to see what Michael Johnson's going to do at the Olympics. But like when Michael Johnson raced Donovan Bay with 150 meters, the world tuned in. When Usain Bolt was facing what Justin Gatlin, people watched. When you have stars racing each other, that's how you get people to watch. It's head-to-head matchups. It's not so-and-so ran kind of fast. I mean, sometimes world record attempts can do stuff, but the sport needs to play up competition. That's that's what it's about. Otherwise, as we're seeing during COVID, you can have kind of random one-off time trials and no one gives an F. So Shelly Houlihan runs an American record. She doesn't get a mention in the New York Times. Meanwhile, Kyle Marber gets a front-page Sunday New York Times spread because they find that more interesting. That's uh, that's uh, that's a different argument, though. That's not because he's racing a bunch of people. Also, the Gatlin Bolt thing; those guys never raced each other. They only raced each other when absolutely necessary at Worlds in the Olympics. I think that's. I'm not saying that's the only reason sport wasn't more popular in the 2010s, but certainly didn't help. But also, but it, it, our sports is inherently different. We want to see, you know, Pittsburgh play Baltimore football or New England play Kansas City, but we don't want to see them play every week. You know, so I would like to see, like, I don't know how you do it in these diamond leagues, but you have, like, but you need to have the big stars hit each other once they're early in the season, maybe once in the middle, and then once at Worlds. Like, you don't want to have them do every week. If, if Houlihan, we had doubt what was going to happen when Houlihan raced Schweizer last week in the 5,000. We don't really have any doubt right now. You know, if they race 10 times, Houlihan's going to crush her almost all those 10 of those times because we know she's in better shape right now and she's faster. Now, maybe she wakes up and she's sick or maybe it's unfortunately that time of the month for a woman or something like that and she's off her game. Now, what? John's going to say, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. And it won't say, uh, uh, uh. No, it's not I, terrible. Th- it's just, it's not terrible. It's just, why do you bring that up? Like, what? Well, you say she's off her it struck game. Me, like, it I just don't see the when, point. In the podcast last week when she said she woke up and she felt terrible when she raced Christian Schweizer indoors, the, the thought that I had was, oh, was it – did she wake up and that happened to be the day of her period? She could have felt per- terrible for another reason. But that's one of the reasons why the trans – when we had this transgender debate and my great friend who used to write speeches for Hillary Clinton and is a liberal woman – she is very opposed to transgender competing against men in sports because one of her arguments is tell me when they have a terrible day, you know, once a month when they feel terrible because it's their period. Now you could say, oh, they could take a birth control pill or whatever. But I mean, that's just the reality. If you're a transgender person, you don't have your period. Right. So 
I didn't say it to demean women. I, I, right, it's fair. You should be allowed to talk about it. It cost Mary Katani. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the yeah. reasons she didn't win the New York City Marathon. It's one of the reasons Shalane Flanagan is the New York City Marathon champion. So, anyway, we don't want to get too caught up on that. No, but in, in, in this society, and we'll, I will talk about it, but this society, there's so many things now. We almost have like McCarthyism, but it's from the left. If you're not speaking socially acceptable things, you can't say them. And even us, we're scared to say them. There was two items on last week's podcast, and we've never done this before. They were both on the show. They weren't bad. And after recording, I called up Wells and I said, delete A and delete B. And why? Because what was I going to gain talking about a quote-unquote controversial topic? You know, I was going to gain just potential outrage by some crazy person who didn't like it and tries to get a sponsor to boycott the website and it wasn't worth it. So we're struggling financially here during the COVID and I'm not going to take a bigger struggle just because I can't keep my mouth shut. I have developed a filter in my mid forties. What? Not a total filter. One of my favorite things that happens is anytime Robert talks about the financial health of the website, well then suddenly his face lights up and he starts like freaking out. It's very funny to watch the both of you guys talk about that, but I want to go to one of our favorite Robert topics. Robert stuff off. <laughs> but that's what we that's why we love him and Robert one of your favorite punching bags is USATF and so I want to talk about USATF has officially said there will not be a national championships in 2020 are you upset by this do you have a rant prepared or you think this is the right decision I'm very upset USSS Grant was the last president when there was no USA outdoor track and field championships so somehow we did it during World War One, World War Two, Sp- Spanish flu there was a Spanish flu. When was that? 1918, 1919? Um, you know, it, it killed the grandmother of my next door neighbor. RIP, grandma, whacked her. Anyways, I would have liked to have seen the USAs. You're saying the Spanish flu killed her. You're not making light of someone dying of coronavirus. I'm just getting that officially out there if you're worried about sponsors. <laughs> Look, I understand why they canceled it because it would be – you're seeing the sports leagues come back all over the world. We've seen it in Japan, also in, in track and field. But, you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of leadership. And it takes a lot of money if you're going to do it properly with testing. And there's a huge – someone said on, on the message board, oh, the obvious reason why the NFL is back and track and field is not is money. And, yes, there's a huge financial incentive for the NFL to come back. Whereas if track and field came back, I think, honestly, it would cost them money. They're, they're saving money by not having to put on the meat. And if they come back, they're going to have added expenses because they're going to have to put on tons of testing and precautions, and it would cost them money. But I was hoping that Max Siegel, the man that we, many people don't believe deserves to be making more than a million dollars every year, would spend some of his own money to be a leader here. Track and field is the perfect sport to run during COVID. Come on, let's be honest. You're already in lanes. That may not be six feet apart, but you're basically three feet apart to begin with, basically in every running event under 800 meters. The field events are perfectly spaced. John's worried about them landing in the Sam Sand Pit. Give me a freaking break. The pole vault pit, you can wipe it off after they hit the ground. I mean, the sport is massively already socially distanced. I would love to see just run the sprint events. And how about let's run the 800, the whole thing out of lanes. Let's run the 1,500, 5,000s as time trials with the fastest seed going last. That would be cool. Leadership, innovative thinking, something. But no, we're just going to be, let's take the easy road out. Don't, don't spend any of our money. And save up for next year. It's the easy decision. It's the it's it's the the non gutsy decision. It's not one that makes me happy, but I understand it and don't totally fault them for it. But it's disappointing. 
it would be very easy to put on sort of an elite invitational. I think a normal track meet, like essentially like a Diamond League track meet with no fans. Um, I think you could have a couple hundred athletes come together and compete. That's not that different than an NFL game. Sure, they're flying from all over, but you could do it. But the thing is, where's the revenue? It's not like the NFL has TV contracts that'll float most of the bill, can make these things sustainable, and track doesn't have it. So no one has the incentive, unless some benefactor wants to do it. My hope was to, like, you know, in September or October, they could have a big meet kind of to open Hayward Field, hopefully with fans. But the other thing that's different with the U.S. is, like, each state is catching COVID at different rates. And it, I could go off on my COVID rant. I'm now in Connecticut, coming to you from the number one best state for COVID. I think we have the lowest rate of spread in the United States. And everyone here wants to pat themselves on the back. And like, what are we doing different than everybody else? Nothing. What, what do we do different? It ran through here in March and April. Like, now we're taking way less precaution than then. And we're pretty distant state there's not a lot of congestion here so it makes sense that covid isn't taking off so sure people take your precautions and stuff but like with the u.s you're seeing it now really take off where it didn't take off in the first wave and it's going to be interesting i think with sport because there are some meets coming up the istoff berlin meet is coming up september 15th they're supposedly going to have three thirty-five hundred fans Japan has been the number one country, one of the best, with not getting COVID. So it's going to be very interesting. They're having meets there, I don't think, with fans. But the successes are kind of the places that didn't have COVID or handled it very well, meaning Germany and Japan. But what if they ever get their first wave? What's going to happen there? And that's one of the places where there's Olympics. So could there be a risk in 2021 to Japan? Like everyone else has had COVID, Japan has it, saying like, oh man, we're too worried. It's something to think about. Well, that's the concern about maybe not maybe not having the Olympics next year is you're sending everyone from every, not everyone, but you're sending people from every country in the entire world to Japan. So if one of those people has it, you know, they can start spreading it. And I think that's the other concern about USATF not holding this is you're, a lot of athletes are based in Florida. A lot are based in California. These are coronavirus hotspots. You'd be sending them all into one location to, from all different parts of the country. You know, it's not, that's not the safest idea. And I look, I think, look at these other professional leagues like MLB, NBA. Do you think they'd be actually holding seasons if there wasn't tremendous amounts of money at stake and the owners wouldn't get screwed? Like they, all the owners and all the players would lose all this money without the seasons. I don't think so. I I don't think it would be seizing seasons at all. So I don't think it's irresponsible by USATF. I think it's probably the most responsible decision not to have a meet. But like Robert said, I'd like to see them try and get creative. I was talking with a, shoe exec earlier this morning he was reflecting the same thing basically like it's kind of a bummer that our governing body is not the one trying to get creative with these solutions and it's you know instead it's up to individual meet directors but we'll see some competition we've got music city distance carnival you have a few domestic meets coming up this summer but it's not going to be a national championship hey, i think there's an opportunity for the fall as well the NXN high school meet has already been canceled. California is not doing anything. They're locking down for everything. They've been locked down the whole time, and they're still spiking. So that sort of disrupts the narrative that it's about, like, who's the most pious in their enforcement. But I think my my – I've been way too optimistic about this thing to begin with. But I think in the fall, there's going to be an opportunity maybe to put on some high school cross-country or something else because I, I think – that would be the opportunity before the winter season. The best weather will be like late fall throughout the country. And hopefully by then, these places that are spiking now will kind of be on the downside of their curve. Everyone else has already settled down. And 
maybe you could see some opportunities for running or some events of bigger latitude when sort of the high school cross country season would traditionally have shut down. But with the national meets already calling stuff off, who knows what's going to happen. But people, there's hope for you. If you want to run a marathon, Fargo Marathon is still on. I think that's in August. And the Des Moines Marathon is still on. So who says there aren't races to get excited about? Well, can we pull one out for Hamburg, though? I think about a month ago, Hamburg releases, yes, we're going to have this marathon. We're going to work, make it work with social distancing. Everyone's going to get a breathing sock, and they can wear it after the race. Everyone's like, yes, this is great. Hamburg, you know, it's not the best marathon in the world, but it's pretty good. We'll get some action there, maybe some stars. And now it comes out this past week. Uh, actually, Hamburg's canceled in its entirety. I mean, that was kind of, I mean, it's probably a responsible decision there, but kind of a bummer for me well i, I think you've, you've said it right john i mean unless there's a huge unless there's the money's in the mo- millions of dollars people kind of think what i have to gain by doing this potentially as an administrator all i could do is criticize you're never going to be praised for like oh you put on the you put on the track meet last year you're such a genius guy let's give you a raise everyone else is wrong about that but if you you know do a parade or a track meet or whatever it is 80 years old oh that was the idiot that the the, the track meet that restarted the the covid crisis but i i just think that some of this stuff is not logical um like the toronto blue jays you guys heard about this they're not going to be playing their games in toronto because they don't want the baseball players coming back over the border did we talk about this in last week's podcast i don't think so to me this is insanity absolute insanity these are players that are tested every other day you're talking about like 50 people, maybe what the team is 100 people flying on a private jet, and you're worried that they're going to spike the COVID cases in your country. These people at least know walking around town, at least know if they have COVID. The average person has no idea if they have COVID until it's too late to already spread it. So come on, you're going to entertain the entire country by having 50 people get tested every other day and compete in your homestead. This is insanity. Robert, one thing I picked up from COVID is like everybody wants to pretend it's someone else's problem. Like New York is all righteous now saying, oh, we handled it. What did they do right? No. Handled it. Like Texas has handled it 15 times better than New York in the in the ultimate playbook, which means death. Maybe that comes down to five times, but per capita, it's so much better. Originally, Texans were keeping New Yorkers out or Floridans were keeping New Yorkers out. Now, everybody's keeping everybody out. It's just sort of crazy. Robert, Connecticut now, we've expanded the list. You're not allowed in Connecticut either. Well, I know. We were supposed to come visit next month, but we may not be coming. We don't want to be lawbreakers. But, no, this is kind of ironic, right? John doesn't want this to be political. But, John, why is Trump hated by the left? Why? Because he wants to build a wall. And guess what? Now what all the states want to do? They want to build an imaginary wall and not let people from one state go to the other state or from one country to go to the other country. Oh my oh my god, Robert, this is this is totally apples and oranges and first of all Trump's hated because he's a piece of shit. Not be- like building a wall is just one very small part of that. But no, here's the problem. Weldon's like, "Oh, everyone wants to complain it's someone else's fault." Well, wouldn't it be nice if you know, the leader of our country took some responsibility about this. And instead, his attitude at this point is basically like, I tried a little bit for a while to think about this thing and I'm just moving on. We haven't really done anything. I'm not worried about it anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if he took responsibility and tried to, you know, coordinate some national effort on this? Just saying, like, the buck, it used to be the motto in the White House was the buck stops here and the buck never stops anywhere with Donald Trump. Oh, correct. One eight four four. Let's run. Get your calls in. Hot takes. 
VIP members only, hour two. Liberal John, sound off on Donald Trump. Pay-per-view only. John, I, I think you and I should start a show. We could be like back when Fox News was fair and balanced and they had Hannity and Combs. We could do Rojo and Jonathan. Wait, <laughs> Fox News, I don't think Fox News has ever been fair and balanced. Yeah, they start, that was their slogan for like at any point for the first five or ten years. They had, they had the liberal you can government. make anything you want your slogan. I've always wanted to start my own podcast called I Want to Be a Liberal, but I, I, I want to, to agree to all these ideas, but I just can't do it sometimes because it's just like. Sometimes it's good in uh, sentiment. Uh, 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 sorry, that's the alarm. We're straying way too far away from running. We're turning people off here. We need to go back. Is there anything else running related you guys want to talk about this week? It sounds like a no. I mean, we had we had interviews with uh, Molly Seidel and Sam Chalanga, but Robert, I mean, that you guys can check out on our site this week, but... Based on the show notes, seems like Robert here wants to rip me for uh, the way I executed them somehow. So I don't know if I even want to bring that up. No, I, I enjoyed the interviews, but particularly considering how you probably consider yourself to be a woke 29-year-old, I, I felt like there was a little bit of an opportunity you left out. Sam Twain has written a new book, and I thought there, you did a Q&A with him. I thought it was interesting, he, and he thought about like at some level like, America and Kenya are so different. But he's like, no, we're really the same. Like pain, like life is tough. And whether you're having feeling pain in Kenya or in America, it's very similar. So I do think all humans have a similar experience. Some are rich or some are poor. I, I thought that was a powerful message. But I would have liked to have seen one question about like, hey, man, there's a lot of racial unrest. A lot of black people, you're a black man, are unhappy with America, yet you've chosen to live here. So... Can you talk about your experience? I mean, I guess the debate is, does every interview from now on have to include some someone's take on the black experience in America, whether they're white or black? Because the Molly Seidel, the only critique I had was, she said, oh, running is a very white sport. And I was like, well, maybe in America, but the U.S. Olympic team certainly isn't white for distance running. It's probably majority black now, at least on the men's side. Like, what percent of the, of the runners in the 5K and 10K were, I mean... <laughs> Black, it's it's a huge high percentage, certainly higher than the U.S. percentage per capita. But anyways, I thought the 20 question would have been interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely a topic we could have explored. I mean, I kind of wanted to talk about the. There's a lot of interesting stuff about Sam because he's got this book and he's been in the army the last couple of years and he had this comeback. So I didn't get around to ask him, but certainly would have been interesting to hear his experiences, you know, as a Kenyan American, as, as a black American. But also, uh, folks, it's just like sometimes I'll talk some COVID thing where I'm not just playing up the fear. It doesn't mean that I don't think COVID is serious. I wish every, I'm taking every precaution. I'm wearing masks. And the same thing, just because Sam Chalanga chose to live in this country or even Barack Obama's father chose to come study in this country when racism was actually like allowed by law back then. That doesn't mean that there still isn't racism. America may, you could say America, so the European visitors may laugh. You could still argue America is the greatest country in the world or it's the best for a black person. That doesn't mean that there isn't racism and it's not hard to be black. Those, those stories still can be true. Like you can live, always be shooting for more. Like you could be the world record holder and still want to be run a minute faster. You know what I'm saying? Like, so don't think that I'm discounting these things by saying like, hey, I just think it's interesting that he chose to live here. It doesn't mean that there aren't serious serious problems that we need to address. I mean, if the standard, there's never any racism, 
Well, people are always going to be disappointed because there's always going to be sin and racism is a sin. So not that there's stuff that we can't do better and clean up, but I think with everything, with COVID, some societal issues we're addressing, there needs to be a sense of perspective. And people like to sort of argue at each other or over each other and having a little dialogue can be good. But I kind of have an interesting take on sort of why running is sort of a predominantly white sport in America and not in, well, obviously not in Kenya, but obviously there aren't very many whites living in Kenya. <laughs> that might be the most obvious reason. But one reason why running in America is kind of, you need, th- th- there's a significant opportunity, you need time and you need a safe place to do it. So the, the poor areas, which are have a higher minority population, may not be the safest place to run. And also, if you're struggling financially, you may not have a couple hours a day to go leisure activity, try to distance run. So whereas in Kenya, it's the opposite. I was really interested by this. I was at the track one time. There was like a 410 miler, and he was trying to be a pro runner. I'm like, dude, you wouldn't even be like top power five conference D1 in America. But the way this guy viewed it was was like, well – the opportunity cost of running there is basically zero. Like, what is he missing out on? There's really no jobs in the regular economy. There aren't that many jobs. You got get, you can get a job with the government or the police, but there's not like this burgeoning, like, oh, I'm missing out on a $75,000 a year job as a college grad if I don't do this. So it was costing him – the standard of living is very cheap. So he could – his dad could send him, like, 30 bucks for the month or 50 bucks, and he could live off that. And if he developed into a – you know, even if he develops into a rabbit and can make a couple grand a year – that was going to be a lot for him. So sort of the opportunity cost of running was zero there, whereas here in, the, in America, it's significantly higher. Just something interesting to think about that that sort of hit me when I was in Kenya at the track one time talking to this guy, this 410 guy who wanted me to give him shoes because he didn't have any shoes really. I mean, one of the best things about running, uh, I don't think of running as a white sport, is like anyone can run. It's like so universal. Like th- th- that's the beauty of our sport. And sort of speaking of this, the Atlanta Track Club – Sent out a press release this week. Atlanta Track Club announces Common Ground Initiative. Um, club to facilitate, encourage, and provide space for conversations on race. I haven't listened to any of it, but they've got some podcasts out. They have a partnership with the South Fulton Running Partners, the oldest black running club in America. So, I don't know. The people at Atlanta Track Club, they did a tremendous job with the trials. So, if you're interested in this type of thing, it might be worth giving it a listen. Just saying that totally without having listened to it. But I, I thought that was interesting because originally I think I saw Atlanta Track Club race in my email. And I'm like, the Atlanta Track Club is having a race. I was really excited. I'm like, yes, we're going to have Peachtree. And then it's like initiative on race. I'm like, well, that's a good thing too. But I'm still holding out hope. I'm holding out hope for the Peachtree Road Race on Thanksgiving. I know that may sound crazy, but people, hopefully if anyone will cancel, don't cancel stuff six months out. Atlanta Track Club, that's a local event. Can't they just keep that one planned and cancel it if you have to, like, one or two months out? Please, Atlanta, give us hope. Hope, hope. We need hope for something. We need one mass gathering event. Maybe it can be done a smart way, like waves of 2,000 people or something. We don't have to have 50,000 people. Maybe we have 20 or two. But I think my prediction is you will see some road races this fall with a decent amount of people. Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. Good and no good thing ever dies, Weldon. So uh, that's from Shawshank Redemption. Let's uh, let's that's all we got to hold on to this year for the for the fall. I think is hope. So uh, yeah, I'm hopeful too that we see some. I don't think we're going to see any marath- major marathons, but 
We'll see. London, don't do it. Still have your elite race, please. Thank you. Oh, wait, I forgot. Yeah, the London Marathon is still officially on the books. That's all I'm holding on hope for right now. And the Monaco Diamond League is still on the books as well. If we could get London, Monaco, the Istoff meet with fans, man, it'd be a great 2020. The bar has been lowered. The bar has been lowered, but we can exceed it. All right, guys. Well, I'm just going to say once again, happy Founders Day. Happy birthday, Weldon. Happy birthday, Robert, on Friday. Have fun congratulating Mr. Ryan on his Presidential Medal of Freedom. And uh, I'll be back same time next week to talk to you guys.